This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Breckenridge with you on a Tuesday afternoon. 403-974-TALK is our number, 974-8255. You can call us and text us at the same number. we got a few other issues to get to in this hour, but I want to begin off the top here with a conversation about polygamy, specifically Canada's law prohibiting polygamy. What's significant that a trial getting underway today in B.C., in Cranbrook, is the first time we've put this polygamy law to the test. We've had a polygamy law for over 100 years, and polygamy has been practiced in the community of Bountiful in B.C. for more than 70 years. So why has it taken this long to get to this point? And the bigger question, though, does the polygamy law as it stands make sense? I think certainly there's enough going on in Bountiful to be concerned about how minors are being forced into some of these uh, polygamous marriages. But for consenting adults, should it be criminal? Or to put it another way, if we're going to charge the husbands with polygamy, why aren't we charging the wives? The law doesn't specify. The law doesn't say it's illegal to be a man and have multiple wives. It just says it's a crime to be a part of a polygamous marriage. Well, it was back in 2011 when the B.C. government put the question to the B.C. Supreme Court that we're going to go after these guys in Bountiful. Can we use this law? So in 2011, the B.C. Supreme Court said this law is constitutional, albeit flawed. But was that decision in and of itself flawed? Well, someone's written a lot about this. Uh, joins us on the line here today, Carissima Mathen, Associate Professor of Law at the University of Ottawa. Carissima, thanks for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Great to be here. Right. I mean, boy, this has been a, a long path to get to this point. Here we are, 2017, these two individuals now going on trial. But how long have we been talking about and debating this law? At 10 or 15 years at least, uh, you had successive attorneys general in B.C. who were determined to uh, use the polygamy offense against the leaders in Bountiful. And they were being told by their Crown Council, we don't think this law is constitutional. And so they, they wouldn't lay indictments. And so they had to bring in a series of special prosecutors. They were actually actually slapped on the wrist by the court for essentially prosecutor shopping, as it were. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they put this reference as you. You uh, you stated to the Supreme Court of British Columbia, which is a trial-level court, and they essentially ran a trial on polygamy without a defendant. So they had all kinds of materials, and it was very extensive, um, a, a very unique sort of proceeding, and it resulted in this 300-page uh, ruling by uh, the Chief Justice of British Columbia, wherein he uh, he he determined that the law was mostly constitutional. He said that it couldn't apply to people under the age of 18, but otherwise uh, it was consistent with the Charter. That was his finding. Well, it's interesting because we look at these two individuals, Winston Blackmore and James Oler, very notable figures uh, in Bountiful, certainly Winston Blackmore uh, in particular. I don't think there's any doubt. I don't even think they deny it that they they practice polygamy. They've been involved in multiple marriages. I mean, if if you just want to make that argument, I suppose you can prove that case. But what are the other challenges here? Well, if 
if you look at it in terms of what is the government concerned about, they're concerned about harm to people that's taking place within this community in the context of uh, polygamous practices. And I think that there is evidence that in a number of contexts, polygamy does result in harm to women, to children, to boys, etc. And, and some of those harms are themselves covered by existing criminal offenses. So sexual exploitation, sexual contact with young persons, uh, and so forth. The problem that the government has had is that it's proven difficult to um, frame cases around those charges because they have a lack of cooperation from people in the community. And so, as you just said, the point about polygamy is that it's challenging the relationship not the harm. There's no requirement to prove harm. And so that's why they, it, it would be very useful for the government to be able to simply say, well, we're just going to convict you for being in a plural marriage, uh, regardless of the harm that may or may not be occurring. It, it really lightens their load, as it were. But in my opinion, that, that, is, that leads to a, a, lo- a number of concerns. Well, yeah, but you, you make such an important point because we've seen in the U.S., and they've been very aggressive at going after some of the leaders of the FLDS, uh, and they found other charges, for the most part, to, to convict them on. And we've seen uh, children who have been transported across borders, even international borders from Canada into the U.S., uh, or across state lines to, to be married off to these, these polygamous leaders. We've got in this country existing charges to deal with that stuff. We do, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that there are, it, it's not uh, uncommon for the, the Crown to have difficulties in gathering evidence or difficulties in dealing with, you know, reluctant witnesses, and, and they still proceed in a number of cases. Um, I, I can't pretend to know the, the, you know, contours of what they're dealing with here, but there's no question that the reason that they are focusing on polygamy this, you know, really outdated offense, uh, I would argue, is because it just makes their job so much easier. Yeah, I suppose it does. I mean, the, the law is pretty straightforward, right? It doesn't say that, that you know, women are being exploited by, by these men. Uh, it simply says anyone who practices or enters into uh, any form of polygamy is guilty of an indictable offense. So if we're going to charge these two men, why aren't we charging any of the women? I think it would just be politically very difficult for the Crown to do that. I, I do think it's a, you know, it's, it's a tactical decision. It's certainly in no way um, out of bounds under the law. You're right. The law is not gender-specific, and it's important to note that polygamy, the word, includes a man with multiple wives. It also includes a woman with multiple husbands. And so both of those you know, it's uh, plural relationships or plural ma- marriages in all their forms and in, in relation to all the parties are caught under the current criminal law. Right. And, and in that sense, there's, there's no implied victim here. It's simply saying the practice itself. I mean, it's, it's, it's basically, it seems like it's a moralistic perspective. I, I think that that's right. I think that certainly the, the law has been in our criminal code since uh, you know, 1892, the first criminal code of Canada. And at the time, I think, you know, an intellectually honest assessment would be that the law was directed at what was perceived as a moral harm as opposed to a societal harm that people might see, I think, reasonably as flowing from the way that polygamy can be practiced. And what's really interesting about the polygamy reference, that 2011 decision, is that the court really focused on 
um, the societal harm, not just to victims, but to society in general, and, and made some really quite disturbing arguments about the importance of monogamy to Western civilization, the idea that we're all naturally inclined to engage in polygamy, that is, one man with multiple wives, and you need this criminal sanction to keep us on the right path, and that that's been the, the story of you know, our, our success over 2,000 years, it's, it's really quite an incredible uh, decision in, in that respect. Because I, I think you can make rational arguments. I mean, certainly from what I've read about the so-called Lost Boys phenomenon of Bountiful, where obviously the math just doesn't add up. If men have multiple wives, you're going to have some boys who just who, who grow up and don't have any and basically become cast off uh, from, from the community. But that's a concern. I don't know how you quantify that in, in a legal term to say that a crime's been committed, but certainly you know, we can frown upon the practice. You can frown upon the, upon the practice. The... Um the, chief, the, the judge in the polygamy, polygamy reference went further to say that there was, you know, scientifically valid evidence to see that um, marriage itself is a really almost this civilizing influence on men. And if they're routinely prevented from being able to find wives, he said statistically they would be more likely to engage in violent activity, including murder, robbery, and rape. And that's not wow. my language. That's actually from the decision. So it paints this really, you know, frankly, um, bizarre notion of male sexuality, the, the, the male nature, and then, you know, in, in contrast to, to the, the female nature that I just find very hard to accept in sort of a modern society that's based on equality and, you know, has a certain vision of how the criminal law should function. I just, I just don't, don't accept that the criminal law should be used in, in, that, in that way. I think if you're concerned about the harms of particular relationships, then focus on the harm. And if there is harm, that should be sanctioned and punished. But don't use this relationship as a proxy for what you're actually trying to get at. Right. And I guess, I mean, in this case, it seems likely there's going to be a defense of religious freedom, right? And how, how does that factor in? Well, this is what's really interesting because uh, in, in the polygamy reference, the, uh, the, the court decided that while there was um, an, an initial or, you know, there, there is a violation of your religious freedom if your religion dictates that you enter into these relationships and the criminal law is punishing you. That's clearly a violation, but the court found it to be a reasonable infringement, which, of course, the Charter always allows for. And I have to say that in terms of the criminal law, if you have a valid criminal law, I personally don't think religious exemptions from criminal law is is a good idea, and I don't think it's, it's justified. So that seems to be, you know, off the table unless a higher court wants to revisit that. But the defense counsel, from what, what I read in reports, is, uh, has this somewhat interesting argument, sort of saying we're not going to challenge the validity of the law, but we think that as applied to, I guess, Blackmore, uh, it, it violates his religious freedom. I'm not really sure how that works, but that's, apparently they are going to rely on the fact that there is a religious basis to his entering into these multiple yeah. marriages. Well, yeah, you raise an interesting point. I mean, to use an extreme example, obviously, um, if a religion said we, we must sacrifice humans as part of our rituals, that, that would never be allowed. <laughs> that's not an argument you can make, that we're not going to carve out an exemption for something that, that's clearly uh, very illegal. So when it comes to something like polygamy, 
if it's in the criminal code, if it's illegal, should there be any kind of exemption? I don't think there should be exemptions based on religious belief if the law itself is valid, if it's not arbitrary, if it's not discriminatory, if it's reasonably linked to some important social goal. I think the criminal law should apply universally. I mean, that's yeah. really, that's kind of the essence of criminal law. So I think, or to put it another way, if, if the violation is, is sufficient enough for someone on a religious basis, then I think the you have an equal harm if you just are someone who really thinks that a multiple, you know, a plural marriage is how you would live a happy life. You know, I, I don't see why the addition of a religious belief would, would make a difference in terms of the application of criminal law. Okay, well, given that, as you mentioned, was the B.C. Supreme Court, not the Supreme Court of Canada, that came down with this reference, uh, it seems likely that this is all going to end up at the Supreme Court of Canada eventually. I would, I would presume that it, it would. Um, certainly, if, if, the, if another accused person challenges uh, the constitutionality of the law, um, then that would, that would have to go, that would have to be relitigated in a sense. What's interesting here is that this was a trial decision. It went in the government's favor. The government it was the only one at that time that could seek higher review, and they didn't. So, I find it interesting now that Blackmore and Oler are not indicating that they want to challenge the constitutionality again. Now that, you know, would be uh, a significant undertaking. It would take a lot of time, would have a lot of expenses, so maybe it's a strategic reason. But I can't imagine that the B.C. Supreme Court will be the last word on, on the constitutionality of polygamy. Yeah. I, I nor should skeptical. it, I suppose, right? No, no, absolutely, nor should it. I, I think that this... This decision, and certainly this issue, it really would benefit from review by higher courts. And even, frankly, you know, some, some debate by the federal government, which, of course, is responsible for the law of polygamy, right. and, you know, participated in the, in the reference, but, you know, that's just through its, the Department of Justice. Really, we haven't seen any sort of new focus on, on the law of polygamy. What is it achieving? Do we think that as it's currently framed, it's acceptable. Yeah, because, I mean, it could be rewritten, theoretically, right? It could be rewritten to, for example, include a requirement of proof of harm, mm -hmm. so that it's not just what I consider the very arbitrary fact of how many people are involved in a relationship. Like, to me, that doesn't make sense as the make-or-break issue for a criminal conviction. Yeah, that's well, going to be interesting to see. Carissa, my great uh, insight, as always. Thanks so much for joining us here. Appreciate this. You're welcome, Rob. All right. That's uh, Carissa Mamathan, uh, Associate Professor of Law at the University of Ottawa. Uh, Someone's written extensively about this issue, so we appreciate her insight. Again, Section 293 of the Criminal Code, it's pretty simple. Anyone who practices or enters into any manner or agrees or consents to practice or enter into any form of polygamy or any kind of conjugal union with more than one person at the same time, whether or not is by law recognized as a binding form of marriage, or anyone who celebrates, assists, or is party to a right ceremony contract or consent that purports to sanction a relationship is guilty of an indictable offense. So if you preside over a guy marrying three women at the same time, or you preside over a wedding for somebody and you know already has multiple wives, you too are guilty of polygamy. But it says any kind of conjugal union with more than one person at the same time. So if you've got Jack, Janet, and Chrissy all living together in an apartment, you don't even have to prove that they're getting it on. 
you could theoretically arrest them and charge them with uh, a crime under Section 293 of the Criminal Code. So it is a really weird and vague law. But it goes on to say, where an accused is charged with an offense, no averment or proof of the method by which the alleged relationship was entered into, agreed to, or consented to is necessary in the indictment. Nor is it necessary to prove that the persons who are alleged to have entered into the relationship have or intended to have sexual intercourse. Okay, so that part is pretty clear. You don't need to prove that it's sexual. So that's a weird law. I think we can all agree on that. We don't have to like polygamy. We certainly don't have to like what goes on in Bountiful. But can we really let this law stand? Can we really sit here and say Winston Blackmore and James Oler seem like really sleazy guys? So who cares if we use a stupid law to convict them? And by the way, if you want to try to make the argument that the women, and let's say that these are women who were already an adult when they entered into these marriages, because in some cases it seems as though we're talking about minors. That should be a crime. But if we're talking about consenting adults. Why shouldn't the women be charged then? I don't think you can make the argument that, they, well, they're brainwashed into this. So are these men. They're all brainwashed. Everyone grows up in that community brainwashed, the men and the women. So it is arbitrary in that sense, too. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.